Welcome in everybody to the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast, home of the greatest youth ministry podcast, at least on Spotify uh, and probably iHeartRadio. I can't speak for Apple Music though because I have an Android. What do you think? I I was waiting for you to say the best podcast ever. Oh, I I apologize. Yeah. Not that I thought that would be valid, a valid (laughs) claim, but... That's where I thought you were going. With you wouldn't it, believe me if I said it. You were just expecting me to yeah, say it. Yeah, for sure. You know, that that, that's what we do here. We make false claims and blow things out of proportion. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's accurate. Um, Kyle and Derek here for another episode. Uh, episode 77, I think. Wow. We should have I, totally put the number in before. Nope, 78. We, 78. 78. There it is. Well, it, yeah, it's in there. We just. It's in there now. Yeah. As people well, are well listening done. to it. Well done. You know what? Like professionalism is our strong suit here on the uh the podcast here. As our false claims. Yeah. I, I was talking to <laughs> I was talking to a gentleman yesterday uh and mentioned that that we had a podcast that we did called How Not to Be a Youth Pastor. And he used to be a youth pastor. He was like, Oh, like kind of jokingly, he was like, Do you guys talk about how like how not to be a youth pastor. And I was like, we did an episode on youth ministry failures yep. and horror stories. And uh, we were reminiscing about how there's a half-life to all horror stories in youth ministry where, you know, whether it's the kid, you can't really, you can't make a joke about it. You can't talk about it until after the kid graduates yep. or maybe their younger siblings need to graduate. Maybe they need to pass away before it's allowed oh to be talked gosh. about. Oh my gosh. Like it depends. On, or maybe you need to pass away and then people can talk. I don't know what, wow. uh, what the degrees of severity are, but uh, there's definitely different uh, stories that you could talk about sooner than others. I'm I'm scared. I, you talked a lot about death just now. Like there's what? there's some stories that all you have to do is get back from the trip safely, and then you can talk about them. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, wasn't it last mission team last year that you lost a kid for about an hour's time? Uh yeah. Well, we knew where he was. Okay, he perfect. just wasn't with the group. Just making sure that was within the the window if, that you yes. provided me. Yep. <laughs> A hundred percent. That one, it was okay to f- to laugh about it once we found him. What once we found him? Actually, no, it wasn't an hour because it was like an hour between when I left where we were and when I got back. So it was probably only like you know half hour yeah. that I was not with him. Sure. But anyways, still terrifying. Classic. <laughs> the one kid on the mission team that didn't have a phone. Uh, that sounds exactly <laughs> on par. Yeah, that's always how it works. Uh, all right, we're uh, we're diving in uh, to our episode today with a quick question that has absolutely nothing to do with what we're talking about, which is very on brand. For but us. it's it's the middle of May. Yep. Uh, which means uh, spring high school sports are in full swing. Yep. And uh, Derek is a track coach for a a middle school track team in his community. And uh, both Derek and I uh, ran in high school. And so, Derek, my question to you is, if you were to compete in a track meet today, yes, which event would you be most excited to do and which event would you absolutely not want to do? Oh, I, I know this exactly. Okay. I'm going to start with not. Okay. So two days ago... I decided that, you know what? I've never thrown a discus in my life. Okay. For those who are watching on our video, I am not quite the thrower build. Um, I'm five foot eight, 140 you, pounds. Is discus about 
muscle though. I feel like discus. Like, it helps if you, if you have long arms though. You get more motion on the spin. Centripetal acceleration. That, there's no way that that's how that word is pronounced. I think it's centrifugal. Centri- what did I say, Trent? I yeah. think you put a P in there. I, I definitely did. Look it up. And I can't even fill the space because I'm just so intrigued. Centrifugal could be right. It's been a while. Um, 2013 is when I was last in physics class. Centrifugal. Centrifugal. Century. C-E-N-T-R-I. F-U-G-A-L. Centrifugal. We were both kind of close. Yeah. We were both (laughs) wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. Maybe maybe you don't need to be huge, but definitely having some muscle mass. Well, your arms are not the longest arms in the world, if we're being honest. Yes, it's like yeah. Neither of those are, Correct. are there. So, you know, my kids were out there and they were practicing their, their throws. And I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to throw a disc. Bring I'm going to do it. So <laughs> I literally. It's like, like a Frisbee. How hard could it be? Well, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sitting there. I have, I have my Oakley sunglasses, like kind of like on the v-neck part of a shirt if you will yep. i wasn't yep. wearing a v-neck but you can picture that so it was in there didn't think anything of it and as i am exerting the centrifugal motion at a high rate of speed all of a sudden i see my sunglasses rip that way and yep. just fly off me at mach 10 my disc goes out and it was a fairly decent throw honestly but I go to pick up my Oakley sunglasses and the frame completely snapped. Like I broke and broke and like yep. there's, there's, there's no salvaging it. So my one and only throw in my life and I snapped my sunglasses, which was not ideal. So not going to do that one again. Proud of you. Thank you. Uh, my event I'm most excited about, I would say either the 800 or the mile. Gross. It is gross. Uh, I... I did a workout with our kids a couple of days ago, and I was surprisingly impressed with myself at the the rate at which I did it after being out of the game for ten years. So, I think I could I think I could get close to what I had in high school. I am confident I could not. Um, <laughs> you had some good times in high school, if I remember correctly. I, I was I'm, I'm pleased with with what I put up on the board. As long as you uh, run track for. Five years, okay. eighth grade through through my senior year, uh, I I did I will say that uh, our four by four hundred meter team did have the school record for about ten months. Nice, uh, and then <laughs> the team the next year broke it. Solid, uh, but you know <laughs> it is what it is. You're a record holder for ten months. Ten months. Something, uh, some somebody cannot say that. So you are in that's a true. elite company. That's true. Of course, the four kids after me can say they held it for a lot longer than that, but <laughs> that's okay. Uh, no, if I if I was uh, running again uh, or or doing a track meet, I would say the one that I'd be most looking forward to. Uh, I I feel like the hundred. Uh, it was not an event that I ran uh, really ever in high school, uh, but I could get it done the fastest. Yeah, so I that intrigues me. What do you think your time would be for a 100? Oh, man. Probably nine point <laughs> <laughs> Minutes? <laughs> yeah. Uh, dude, I don't even know. I, I'm pretty confident that I would at least be under 15 seconds. Yeah, you would. Uh, but I'm, I don't know that I want to speculate. Does this 
take into consideration the hamstring pull that will inevitably pop up uh, at about the 75 meter mark. I think that's worth it though. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that would be, I, I would enjoy that. I also think like, uh, I, I always thought triple jump was really fun. Uh, so that one, that one was fun. The, do you know the, how to do it? Like, do you have the form down? Yeah. I, so the mile, both hurdle events and the shot put were the only four events that I never did in a high school track. Oh meet. my gosh. Uh, the two mile was just for fun. Cause my coach Naturally. knew that I was trying to get all of the events in. And so he let me, but then I got sick right before my senior year and they just wanted me to focus on the 400. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that was that was always fun. Pole vault is another one that's really really fun to do. Uh, unfortunately, they don't have javelin in Minnesota high school or hammer throw sports or hammer throw. That's another good uh-huh. one. Steeplechase. Yep. Uh, I was I like the decathlon would be awesome. I I would have a blast doing that on but, a track. That would be oh, it'd be so fun. Yeah. But here's here's the event that I would absolutely not want to do. Would be. Probably the the one ten hurdles, because one I am not flexible enough to have good form, and two I would fall. Oh yeah, on my face. Oh yeah, repeatedly. Uh, well, I, it depends. I assume you would be running varsity hurdles. Is that fair to say? Because yeah, like, I, like I, middle I school suppose. hurdles, like oh they're not very tall. No, yeah, you could jump over those easily. Well, and even like the three hundred hurdles are shorter than, than right. the one ten hurdles. Yeah, but one ten are actually I think they're like forty inches. I they're tall. Say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would I would fall so many times. I don't know why, but I'm picturing you running these 110 hurdles in your jeans. I don't know why. <laughs> why? Apparently, jeans is the only athletic attire you ever picture me in. Because you saw me play basketball once, and you're like, is jeans all he owns? Oh my gosh, I will that will forever be burned in my memory. Your your jeans for 110 hurdles would be, be impossible. disastrous. Yeah. Yeah, you would be on the ground with ripped Or the pants. jeans would be ripped. <laughs> Or both. Yeah. That would probably probably would be both. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. We need right. to make this happen. Anyway. No, no. You know what? Actually, it would be kind of entertaining to get like a group of youth pastors together and do a decathlon. Oh my gosh. Let's do that. We're, we got to put this together. Okay, I'm in. And then like televise it somehow. Do you think ESPN would find that interesting? Do you ever watch ESPN 8? Like that one the week Ocho? in the summer that they do that, that that takes over ESPN? All I know about ESPN 8 is that it was on the movie Dog. Ball. Oh yeah, yeah. I want to know is if that a legitimate a, thing? ESPN eight. In the so summer? like one, because what do you have for sports in the summer? Baseball yeah. and nothing else. Yeah. And baseball is one hundred and sixty-two games. So like games fifty through one hundred and ten, no one cares about. Correct. And so they uh, there's a usually about a week during the summer that ESPN eight takes over the ESPN channels and they like televise all these ridiculous sporting events. Like you got like the marble runs yep. uh, with, with the super dramatic announcers that they'll do. And I've seen the, you play ping pong, both a soccer ball and your head. Yep. Yep. I've seen that. I've seen uh juggling and dodgeball combined oh into gosh. one sport. Uh, they always do one event where it's like this giant inflatable staircase and they throw a ton of soap on it and whoever makes it up to the top yep, first wins. Seen that one too. That that's a classic. Uh, it's, I, I think that youth pastor decathlon would be a great, even event. if it's not, I would, I would still want to be a part of it. That sounds amazing. Yeah. We'll, uh, stay tuned to our Instagram, 
uh, profile at how not underscore YP. And we will, uh, we'll see if we can maybe put something together over the summer, get, uh, get some youth pastors involved. Fly some and, people uh, all from Texas and get them yeah. up here and yeah, on their dime. Yeah. <laughs> we're not, we, we're not paying for this. <laughs> of course. But, uh, that'd be great. And speaking of our Instagram account, yeah. uh, we want to remind all of our listeners that for one more week, uh, we are holding a, uh, it's not really a competition. It's more just a giveaway uh, to help yeah. us with our self-esteem. Correct. Uh, if you want to be entered to win a $25 gift card to of your choosing. the area of your choice, uh, it could be Amazon. It could be White Castle. It's up to you. But uh, Both are quick. That is true. All you have to do is... I uh, There's a joke in there somewhere about two-day shipping uh, or next-day shipping. Applies to both Amazon, I, it, and but it doesn't. White Castle, it doesn't. It's it same does. day shipping for, <laughs> for for White Castle. Oh dear. Uh, anyways, uh, if you would like to be a part of the giveaway, all you have to do is hop onto our Instagram account and uh, shoot us a message about what you love best about the show, and uh, and you are entered. That's that's all it takes, and we will be uh, posting a video on our Instagram account a week from today, mm-hmm. uh, May 25th, uh, from a special location. Yep. We will be on location, uh, something that uh, Derek and I do every year that is uh, near and dear to our hearts. I have not looked at the weather yet. I don't know. I sure hope it's good. I'll, how about I look it up and you intro what we're going to be talking about today now that we're 13 minutes into the... Hey, even better. That's perfect because <laughs> what we are going to talk about, the title I came up with for this episode is, uh, it, it's kind of a loose title. We'll see what Kyle wants to actually put in there. But uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll override yeah, you. Yeah, he, Fine. Which is on on brand. Hey. Just saying. Uh, 76 and partly cloudy. I'll take Done. it. Perfect. What's the difference between pastoring in 2023 versus 2013? For all you math wizards out there, that's a 10-year difference. What? And, and the the reason that I pulled out those random numbers, obviously, is because 2023 is now. What's it like what? to youth pastor now versus in 2013, you know, Kyle and I, you were a senior or were you graduated in 2013? I graduated in 2013. Okay, so did I. So, you know, we were, we were seniors in high school in 2013. And something that we've talked about in length off the show and, and sporadically throughout Kyle and I's just conversations is just how things are different these days versus they were even 10 years ago. I mean, that sounds like a very old person thing to do of like back in my day. Uh, and it sounds a little ludicrous to think that things have changed in a dramatic way in 10 years, but it is quite astonishing just the differences that pastors have to navigate in 2023 versus in 2013 like a 10-year gap in all intents and purposes is not that crazy but in this particular window of time there has been a lot that have changed so this is going to be more of a conversational type of an episode where Kyle and I are just going to go back and forth and just talk about you know what is different and, and why that's a challenge but instead of just addressing problems we also want to like offer solutions you know here are some things that we have found that are you know, effective in helping you pastor effectively in this day and age with these different changes. And so, Kyle, when you think back to youth pastors 10 years ago, outside of their attire and uh, how they dress and carried themselves, what do you think uh, has been a noticeable change between the two time periods? Well, I was going to say, first of all, just to help our listeners get back into the mindset of 2013, um... Heart Attack by Demi Lovato 
great song. Mirrors by Justin Timberlake. That's actually a good song. Uh, some of the songs that uh, Thrift Shop, Macklemore and Ryan Lewis. The Blur- naughty song. Blurred Lines. <laughs> Radioactive by uh, Imagine Dragons, mm-hmm. another great one. Uh, I also believe, if I remember correctly, that 2013 was the year that uh, the Super Bowl had the, uh, like, all the lights went out for, like, 20 minutes in the stadium. And uh, so so there was that. Uh, Chicago Blackhawks and, and, the, and the Miami Heat uh, were, were champions. I'm trying to find who won the uh, World Series. Boston Red Sox. Somewhere Matt Short is celebrating when you just said Chicago Blackhawks. That is true. Uh, who won the Kentucky Derby, do you think? Orb. Orb. Never heard of him. Great. Don't remember that horse. Big Orb fan. Uh, so anyways, uh, 2013, great year. Uh, and Derek and I both graduated high school. But, uh, I, so I think that, you know, there's, there's obviously a lot of differences. Uh, you know, one of the ones that Derek and I were talking and, and, you know, we're, <laughs> we're diving right in to, uh, to, to the content here. 17 minutes into the episode. <laughs> but I think that one one of the one of the things that strikes me as the biggest difference between 2013 and 2023 is that in in 2013 I remember as a, as a youth student I was you know super involved with our youth ministry and I remember you know there like scripture was you know, you, you believed scripture or you didn't believe scripture for the most part. And, and I think that I, I wish we could go back to the days where pretty much everybody was all or nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, youth pastoring today, I, you see a lot more people and a lot more churches that are, well, I like this part of the Bible. But I don't like that part of the Bible. Yeah. And and it starts to become you know, less about do you believe the Bible and more about, you know, how do I interpret the Bible and, and what do I want it to say? And and that affects doing youth ministry in a major, major way. What I think is so interesting is, you know, you kind of have this collage of scripture. You know, remember those old school activities where you could have a magazine and, you know, make a dream board or do something. So you, you cut out the magazine and, and post it. And all of a sudden you have this new creation, or this new picture. In a very abstract way, I think that's a lot of times how scripture is used today. You know, yeah. I really love that scripture that says, I can do all this through Christ who strengthens me. You know, God is with me at all times. I like that a lot. What I don't like is the scripture that says, if you don't forgive, then you will not be forgiven. I don't like that one as much. Yep. You know, and you start to pick and choose what you like and what you don't like. And the danger with that is it's it's not the heart of the gospel. You know, something you and I were talking about along with this same uh, idea is is the fact that when you start to kind of cherry pick certain theological truths and certain elements of the faith, there's an actual term that characterizes that, which is Gnosticism, I believe. Well, or, or, is it, or is it syncretism? Because I, I know yeah. syncretism is where you, you know, Gnosticism is something we were talking about differently, but syncretism is where it's kind of like, I really like, you know, that Christianity does this, but I also really like the practice that the Buddhists do here. And so I kind of have this, my own rendition of what I believe is spiritual life. You know, and the problem with that is, you know, scripture is so clear that like you shall have no other gods before me and that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And there is no other way. And you know, what is tough and tough, tough, tough 
is when we grew up, Kyle, it was one of those things like the authority of scripture was never debated. Scripture is scripture. It's mm. God's word. It's the yeah. authoritative word of God. If you don't, be- if you believe it or you don't believe it, that's up to you. Mm-hmm. But the actual integrity and authority of scripture was never questioned by the general masses. It was kind of like, this is what it is. And so you can choose to believe it or not. Today, that's not the case. Now it feels like as a youth pastor, as a pastor, you almost have to give validity and credence to the fact that, no, this is legitimate truth. You almost have to like back up the Bible before you can even start to preach from it. And that's a challenge for sure that I think a lot of us have to like navigate because that's a lot of work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I also think that, you know, just from a fan, like it goes beyond the Bible. There's, there's every viewpoint has just become so much more, uh, fluid for a lack of a better word it's you know sexuality is fluid gender is fluid family dynamics are fluid uh education is fluid religion is fluid everything is what i want it to be mm-hmm. everything is what is what is my definition of truth and and if you want to believe that that's fine but you can't call that Christianity. You cannot call following Christ and you cannot call it following Christ when you're the one setting the agenda. Christ is following you at that point, which is not something that he tends to do uh, ever. <laughs> and so that's, I, I don't know. It just, it's, it's sad for sure to, to see the switch mm-hmm. From from the and and you know there are I'm sure there's you know people listening to this podcast like I remember seeing that in 2013 we're not saying that it was a definite you know it, it was a zero to a hundred thing but I I do think that for a majority of youth ministries uh, like Derek said the validity of scripture has to be the first starting point conversation of of okay why do I want to listen to what Jesus says mm-hmm. before we teach what Jesus said. Right. Well, I think, you know, so then the next logical question is, so as a youth pastor, what, what do you do with that? You know, I don't know. That's fair. (laughs) That's fair. So we should probably just wrap up the episode. (coughs) Yep. Thanks for hanging out with us. (laughs) Make sure to get your, uh, your mentions in the DMS for us, please. Thank you. Have a good one. Yeah. You can submit multiple times and just send us multiple compliments. Compliments. You only get one entry, but we, right. we, we, we they don't need to know that. <laughs> we like the esteem boost for sure. <laughs> um, but no, here's what I would, I would suggest. First of all, the word of God is the word of God. And something that I have really tried to just kind of hold on to as I lead right now is uh, God doesn't need to be defended. God is God. He can defend himself. You know, people might not believe his word. They might not believe that he is who he says he is, but that's been happening for millennia now. He ha- he is used to that. We don't necessarily have to defend the fact that scripture is scripture. However, I think what we can do is show that here's why this is an accredited work. You know, we're going to talk next episode about a guy named Josephus, who is a very accredited writer at the same time that documents and books of the Bible were being you know, in the New Testament anyway, written and categorized. And so there is historical evidence that proves that the Bible is a legitimate work and it's got a legitimate truth, so on and so forth. Um, And so you can kind of educate your students on why this is the way that it is. You can educate 
them because what is unique about this generation is they're not content to just say like, you know, back when we were kids, well, why should I believe the Bible is true? Because it's true. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank yeah. you for that clarification. And that was good <laughs> enough, you know, but now it's kind of like, well, why? Well, why? You know, you can jump down that rabbit hole and begin to explain why that scripture is accredited. And, and, and I'd I, encourage I'll you say to do too, that. I don't like, it's not a, I don't want to say that it's a bad thing that the questions are coming. Right. But I think students within youth ministry, I think youth pastors don't always have the right answers right. when answering that question. And students aren't always looking in the right places sure. for answers to that question. If you know, if the student uh, has like, how do I know that the Bible, you know, is is accurate? And then they go on and Google like Wikipedia. You, you, you have to you have to Google. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up a live example of of what I mean. So if I Google the question, uh, is the Bible accurate? Question. Google. You know the the first couple ones that come up are all like you know how accurate is the Bible? C.S. Lewis Institute, Bible.org, ChristianAnswers.net. Yo, now if I go in here and I hope this works because otherwise this is terrible for, for the, uh, uh, are there mistakes in the Bible? If I Google that question, we'll see what pops up here. Uh, the first one, the 10 worst typos in the Bible from the guardian.com. Uh, is that a news source? The Guardian. <laughs> I think so, yeah. Like, are there mistakes in the Bible? All, like, all these different things. And, and, you know, all of these new learnreligions.com. Nice. Uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> all of these uh, AmericanAtheists.org. Right. Like, yep. RationalWiki.org. You know, some of the, some of the top websites that are spitting out answers. Both of the things that I Googled come from the same... It's good question, mm-hmm. but how you Google it will give you dramatically different results. And so uh, finding sources you can trust, and as youth pastors, I think our job is to equip students w- on how to find those good sources. Yeah. Like we have to have them ourselves, and then we have to teach students how to find them. You know, be available if students want to ask you questions. You can discern better than a 14 year old you know, what on the internet is a good source and what isn't. So if they ask you the question, you go, you know, find a good website that explains the answer and send it to them. Yep. That's, that's a great use of your time as a youth pastor. Uh, But I I don't think that that, I think that happened less uh, 10 years ago. Well, because it wasn't as accessible. Yeah. Like that's a legitimate thing, you know, like it, it, now it is. The internet didn't exist in 2013. (laughs) Well, it it did, but (laughs) but the the crazy thing is like you had to go to your iPod touch if you, if you want to look it up, you know, like that was a thing that I, that was legitimate. iPhones came out in 2007. That was when iPhone first came out. And so a lot of our teenage students didn't have iPhones in 2013 because Mm -hmm. they were incredibly expensive as they are now, but my point is, you know, now we everything is so quick. You you can find out information literally in seconds now, and so it's created this. Nobody believes anything anymore. Like we are in this age of everything needs to get fact checked, you know. And and so the Bible, as you said, 
you can have a bunch of haters who can put together a really good looking website that looks really professional that's coming from a very biased author. Mm -hmm. And so it's all these different things that happen where, you know, kids are going to struggle with that. And so the thing I would say along with that is give them the resources, but at the same time, also don't be afraid to just preach the gospel for the gospel. Like, like, I feel like so many times we're kind of walking on eggshells, which is what we're going to talk about in a second, because you have all these different perspectives coming at you and different schools of thought and different whatever. But the gospel is the gospel. And I love how Paul just is so blunt. And I can't remember which book it's in that he wrote, but he talked about like, I didn't come to you in like intricate and flowing language. I just preached to you the gospel. And like, we, I think we need to get back to that of just being unashamed that this is the word of God and we just got to preach it. I think if there was any biblical passage to sum up our approach to our podcast, it is, we did not come with intricate flowing language. Uh, That is accurate. So I want to, I want to transition and Derek kind of did most of the work for me here, but you're welcome. One one of the, one of the conversations that kind of brought up the idea of this episode was a article that, uh, can you, was it, it was 20, from Barna. Tw- but, but when was it? 2013, 2016? I don't remember when it was first initially actually published. But Derek and I have both seen this article you know, thrown around quite a bit since then. 2013. Uh, 2013. Uh, Derek, if you are on uh, YouTube here watching our <laughs> podcast, he just threw some fingered <laughs> signals up at me, and I wasn't paying attention. I caught it out of the corner of my eye, and I had no idea what he was trying to communicate. So I'm glad you verbalized it as well. Uh, it's 2013, uh, Barna came out with a study examining uh, if churchgoers identify more with the mindset and the actions of Christ or the mindset and the actions of the Pharisees in the New Testament uh, with the goal that we all identify with Christ but the suspicion that we are maybe more like the Pharisees than we would care to admit. Uh, and so, Derek, do you mind just kind of reading off, since you have the article in front of you, Yeah. what were some of the findings of this study? I'm scrolling to the bottom here. Okay, so just to clarify, they characterize this into kind of four camps. So you have Pharisees and Christ, but within that you have attitudes and actions. So, for example, you might have the attitude of Christ, that being, I want to be more Christ-like, but the way I live and the things I do are more in the Pharisee camp. Uh, And so, this was characterized as Christians loosely, you know, people who self-identified as Christians. You know, they didn't go much more into that. But here were just kind of the overall uh, findings. So think of like a like a square grid, you know, with four squares. Bottom left corner is Pharisee attitudes and actions. You have the heart of a Pharisee and you act like it. 51% of Christians fell in that camp, which was pretty interesting. Those who had, uh, make sure I'm reading this properly. Um, those who had Pharisee added, or I'm sorry, Pharisee actions, but Christ... Oh gosh, this is a confusing graph. <laughs> um, I, I I just I'm, I want to make sure I get this right. Okay, yep. So those who were Christ-like in their actions, but maybe had a Pharisaical heart, were fourteen percent. 
So that would be like you ended up doing the right thing, but your your motive was <laughs> you're not wrong. happy about it, right? Exactly. Uh, the part that's really interesting is those that were united with Christ in action attitude. Those who had the heart of Christ and behaved like it were fourteen percent, mm-hmm. and then the other ones twenty percent, twenty one percent. Where you know <laughs> you didn't have necessarily the 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 right heart, but you did the right thing, which is also another mm-hmm. funny caveat, but. Uh, and then obviously they, they broke it down by um, by different denominations. I will say evangelicals were uh, closer to one and a quarter that were Christ-like action and attitude. So let me make sure I'm hearing this correctly. It was 51% were Pharisee in both directions. Yep. And 20% or 21% were Christ in heart, but Pharisee in action. So 72% of the church had Pharisee actions. Yeah. It's pretty good. According to <laughs> according to this study. Uh which is not great. Uh but but the the reason that we wanted to bring up this study was because you know there were the way that they worded the questions. Some of them Derek and I thought, "Yep, that's fair." Uh, like, such as, uh, what was, what was the, uh, the one we were talking about that we were like, yep, nope, we agree with that one. The most important thing I want people to know is how much I delight in following God's rules or how much, ah, I got that wrong, but oh, I, I, I got it right here. <coughs> I tell others the most important thing in my life is following God's rules. So I yeah, so that, that would, that I think we would all agree that that aligns pretty closely with what the Pharisees uh, displayed in the New Testament, and that is not, uh, you know, we are just wrapping up a series on the book of Galatians uh, with our youth students on Wednesday nights, and the entire book of Galatians is Paul trying to drill into people's heads that it's not about the rules. Uh, you know, the the most important thing is our faith being acted out in love, not how well do I not eat bacon. Right. Uh, so I, I think that, you know, there's... There's truth in that. Uh, there were some other questions that that were a part of the study where it was like, okay, I get like in and of itself, this is not a bad thing. The motive behind it is what makes it a questionable thing. For example, I like to point out those who do not have the right theology or doctrine. Now, if I don't have a relationship with you, and you're some rando on the street. That's a pretty pharisaical, is that how? Pharisaical. Pharisaical. Yeah. I like that. It's a pretty Pharisee thing to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if if, uh, if I don't have a relationship with you. Mm-hmm. If I do have a relationship with you, it's a pretty Christ-like thing to do. Absolutely. And so that's where I, I think that, you know, again, this study is from 2013, but I would argue that this behavior is even more prevalent now where we have the Christ-like heart, but the Pharisee actions where we, we know the right answers. We can say the right things, but when we try to apply them, you know, I'm, I'm attempting to, uh, I'm attempting to correct people I don't have a relationship with. Yeah. And, And if I do not have authority, in their life because I do not have relationship in their life, then it comes off as incredibly judgmental 
to attempt to correct them. The other side would be, you know, we an in, an inaccurate attempt to love others. Mm-hmm. You know, where where love and acceptance and love and tolerance do not always mean the same thing. Correct. Yeah, and I think that that's kind of the the tough one that we're trying to figure out is you obviously don't want to be judgmental and draw the line in the sand saying, I don't support this, therefore I'm not going to, you know, support you. You know, you, right. you see this in relationships, you see this in uh, attending certain things, so on and so forth. Um, but, you know, there it, it is this this tough line of, by jumping in, are you endorsing the behavior and, and, and kind of how that goes along with it too? Um, and that that is a tough thing. And I think, you know, while while this study is good, I think it because it is one of those things you don't realize how self-righteous you can be or how Pharisee-like you can be until it kind of hits you in the face and you mm-hmm. go, Man, like what would I think of all this time you, you see the bracelets now? It's something that is making a raging comeback. Is I feel like every youth student's got the WWJD bracelets on right now. It's like it's an age old question what would Jesus do? Which is a phenomenal question. But I think it's one of those things we think that Jesus is just a loving God and not a just God. And I think that's where we get into trouble right now is because Jesus did care for the oppressed. He did care for the overlooked. He did care for the one that was, you know, neck high in sin. He did. He showed them love, but he also pushed them to living the right way. I think of the woman at the well. Hey, you've had five husbands and the guy you're not with now, or the guy you're with now is not your husband. Like, I love you, but go Mm -hmm. and sin no more. You know, I, I think that's where sometimes this whole calling people Pharisees and saying that's Pharisee-like behavior is troublesome because sometimes to love somebody, you do have to bring truth with it too. You know, speak the truth in love is another scripture that we, that we can draw on from here. And so it's it, it's why I struggle with this question is because I feel like we have, we are so quick to put people in camps now. Mm-hmm. Like either, yep. this is a perfect example, either you're Jesus or you're a Pharisee. Like, I think you need a little bit of both, you know, if, if you're truly going to walk out the faith that God has for you. And I just, again, I just, I think that is one thing that like, in, in, in the attempt to be more Christ-like, we have become so accepting that we've just kind of tossed truth to the wayside and that's just not scriptural. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, within a youth ministry context, we've also, uh, you know, students in some contexts have become a little bit more accusationary, accusatory. There it is. Uh, What did I say earlier about not being eloquent of speech? Uh, (laughs) Way to live it out, man. Yeah. Yeah. I try to, I try to back up my words with actions. Um, You know, when it comes to, I, I always have found it interesting, which sins we're okay with. And which ones we aren't. I, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I used to know a worship leader who, you know, like basically asked someone to step off of their team because of how divisive they were, which I'm not saying was the wrong call. Mm-hmm. 
And yet at the same time, they had someone a part of, they had, yeah, one person a part of their worship team who was living with their boyfriend, boyfriend, and, and they were not married. Mm -hmm. Now, zero times in the history of humanity has that been the case and the two were not sleeping together. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, that you know that's where the problem is but and and yet like there are some sins that that we tolerate and there's others that we don't you know in in today's world uh in in 2023 i think that first of all i think that those two still hold mm-hmm. i think that the church for some reason is widely tolerant of you know sex before marriage and widely intolerant of divisive behavior uh, you know, they are wide. I, I think that the church is becoming more and more widely tolerant of, uh, homosexuality, but yet widely overly dismissive of transgenderism, uh, you know, to the point, and, and what I mean by that is not, uh, I, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about leadership positions alone, uh, like, I'm talking about like, oh, you're gay. We would love to have you at our church. You're transgender. Go to the other church. Ah, yeah. That that's kind of that's kind of what I mean. Sure. uh, You know when I when I refer to that, and and I think that that's not accurate. Mm -hmm. Like they we we it's impossible for me to expect you to live by biblical standards if you are not a Christian. Yeah, I mean that's a scriptural truth, right? That that has to come first, correct? Then we will let the Holy Spirit work on your heart. Yeah, uh, but we got to get you in the door and get you a part of this family before you before that happens. I mean, to quote from there's there's a phenomenal church about a half hour north of of our church called the Bridge. Uh, up in St. Francis, Minnesota. And uh, the, the senior pastor <laughs> is sitting across from me right now. And But correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, do you guys still have the, the belong, believe, become as kind of your tagline? It's, it's subtle, but yeah. And the order mm-hmm. is probably pretty intentional. It is. Belong, very- then believe, then become. Like be a part of this family. Yep. Build relationships and yep. and find God in that. Mm-hmm. Like we want you to find God, but I say it all the time with our youth leaders. I think this is incredibly true within youth ministry. And I'm sorry that I've been talking for a long time here, but our students, I'm I'm not naive enough to think that every single one of our students comes on a Wednesday night just because they want more of God. Mm-hmm. I, I would love for that to be the case, and I know that some of them do, but m- I would argue probably most of our students come first because of the relationships. Yep. And if they come first for the relationships and then find God in that and, and through that, that is a huge win, and then God is going to start to uh, work on their heart. Yeah. So I, I want to circle back to this because it, it kind of encapsulates what you just said. You know, that, it, that in order obviously was intentional, but I think what's so interesting is culture and kind of the conception that people carry is actually just the exact opposite. Yeah. I need to become a better person so then I can believe in Jesus. Then Jesus will love me more so then I can believe in him. And after I believe in him, then I can belong to the church. Like that's so backwards. Yeah. Like you belong, like Jesus went out and sought out people that 
were oppressed, that were down out, that maybe didn't believe. Like, you can't tell me the people that he healed were just all great with God after being paralyzed for 38, 40 years, whatever it was. But like, he said, hey, I see you, you belong to me. And he he moved in them. Then they believed and then they became part of his entourage or became part of the church, what have you. And so, you know, I just, I think that's something that is, very, very unique to our day and age now is everything's a performance. You need to perform to belong to something, you know? And like, it's crazy how just not to get, you know, boomer-like, but just the amount of filters and, and you look on Instagram and Facebook, like everything is a show. Everything is like manicured and professional and everything like that. But it's just not always real, you know? And I think that's like where coming back to the action step here, like as youth pastors to come through all of this, we just have to be authentic. Mm -hmm. We have to be authentic with people. We have to love everybody that comes in our door, but also not, not fail to lead them because we're too afraid to offend them, you know? And that's that's the thing where it's like, we're so scared of losing people that we don't lead them properly because we don't want them to leave. But if you don't lead them and lead them through tough things and tough conversations, are they really better off than they walked into the door? You also have to remember that, you know, your coddling of that individual or those couple individuals is also going to come at a hindrance to the development of everybody else that's there. Yeah. You know, is, is the sacrifice that you're making for that, those one or two or three students worth, you know, also, hindering the you know however many other students that you have yeah uh you know you don't want it to just be a numbers game but if it comes to your decision of whether or not you're going to speak truth i would encourage you to speak truth no matter what the numbers are uh and and if you if you start to speak truth within your youth ministry and your numbers dwindle don't be discouraged mm-hmm. because the students that will be left will be have a deeper and better faith because yeah. of it. So good. So good. I I've loved looking at, you know, the early church is something I think a lot of us draw on. Like Acts chapter two, I feel like has become the model of yep. here's what our church is. We want to be like the early church. But I think what's so fascinating to me is, you know, Jesus poured into the twelve so that they could carry on the church. And I think that's such a powerful youth ministry model because if you if, if you pour into, we talk, we had this whole series a few weeks ago about the ideal graduate. Yep. Like, would you rather have five years of some wicked, awesome pizza parties where you had some cool pictures and then they go off and they go in the rest of their life not changed? Or would you rather have fewer kids that are on fire for the Lord that are going to take the light of the gospel into their area of the world and, and share light in that darkness. Like that, that's the model. Like like the disciples went out and they really, they made the early church grow because they took it everywhere they go. It was obviously Christ through them and all the rest of this stuff. I'm not even saying it has to be one or the other. You can have some awesome pizza parties and big events and have spiritual depth. Like they're not either or, but to your point, I just, I love that so much. Like we need to stop kind of falling into this cultural need to perform and have everything look manicured and fresh and instead go back into 
pour into the ones that you have and give yeah. them real truth and challenge them and correct them and, and put things before them that are going to be hard for them because that's how they're going to grow. And they're going to thank you for it years later if you do it right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I have one more uh, kind of thing that I want to highlight uh, when looking at the difference between 2013 and 2023 uh, within youth ministry and within the church in general. Uh, and this is uh, potentially going to be a you know, particularly American observation. Correct. Uh, but for those of you that do not live in America, honestly, people all over the world probably know what I'm about to say, <laughs> even if they don't live here, uh, unfortunately. But uh, I, so I remember uh, 2016, uh, which is obviously three years after 2013. Uh, tw- 2016 was uh, the uh, election where, where Donald Trump became president. And that kicked off you know, for the next seven years after that until, until now, a incredible polarization of a politics in America. And that seeped into pretty much every other aspect of life in America. And the church was no different than that. Uh, you know, we've seen incredible polarization within the church over the last 10 years, uh, you know, on a variety of different topics. But the thing that is the most alarming for Derek and I is the adjectives that have arisen when people describe their Christianity. For example, I am a conservative Christian. I am a gay Christian. I am a liberal Christian. I whatever it is, uh, I am a redneck Christian. You know, <laughs> whatever it is, uh, the way that adjectives work in the American in, in the American language <laughs> in English. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, London. Uh, I I will never forget you again. Uh, in the English language, adjectives drive the definition of the noun you know the noun the the definition of the noun subjects itself to the adjective so for example i drive a gray car you know my car is not anything else it it is it is first gray and the grayness of my car you know helps divine define the rest of it yeah like if you ask me what color the bumper of my car is it's it's probably gray Mm -hmm. because it's a gray car if i am a conservative christian my christianity and my following of christ is going to first and foremost filter through that definition of conservative and by filtering my following of christ through any definition Gay, liberal, redneck are apparently my other three examples. <laughs> um, that warps it. It it warps your Christianity. Yeah, it totally does. It and, totally does. And that is that is a huge problem that we have seen. Uh, you know, within within the church and 
unfortunately, I see it as a problem that is going to get worse before it gets better. Keep talking. I, I need to find the scripture exactly where it is. Um, I, I'm ashamed that you can't just quote it off the top I, of your head I, with the reference. I, I, will, I will find the reference, but like it, it's, it's sometimes it's shocking to me how, um, again, you talk about like the church picking and choosing certain things that we dismiss of. Bring this full circle, we do the same thing with scripture. Yeah. You know, I can't, I'll, I'll look it up, but, um, there was, I read it recently and I was like, why have I not seen this plastered on Facebook? But <laughs> because it, it would make people uncomfortable. The, the text and granted this was in a different context and everything else, but the gist of it was like respect the person of authority and like pray for them because God has put them there. Do you know how many terrible leaders Israel had? Like, Horrific, yeah, have you read the Old Testament? Oppressive, awful leaders, and you're telling me like God put them there. Like I feel like you talk about warping this. Okay, like full disclosure, we've had two different presidential candidates in the last eight years. I voted for one. I voted against the other one. I'm not going to say which is which, but I definitely voted for one, and I definitely voted against the other one. Mickey Mouse. Yes. Thank you for outing me. But like my point with that is it's amazing to me how instead of doing what scripture says and saying, you know what, even though maybe I didn't want this person, I'm still going to pray for them. I'm not saying you have to support them. I'm not saying you have to be happy with what they do, but the amount of just horrific and blatant hatred that we have for this, this person is astounding to me. And it's crazy to me how we can sit here and go, you know, I, I love God and I worship him and I love his people, but I am going to speak every curse imaginable to this person, right? And to be clear, I know it's not easy. I know there are some really tough things that each president has done that have impacted you either positively or negatively. And so I'm not here to guilt trip you or shame you. But my point is like, it's crazy to me how, it's it's created this wedge even in the church of like you're either in that camp or this camp and if you're not in my camp then quite frankly I don't want to associate with you over something like this like it's one thing if it if it's something that you know it, it is a is a huge 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 theological wedge or what it is but the amount of friendships and acquaintances and just overall uh, good quality interactions that people have had and that have been disintegrated by political polarization is staggering. And again, I'm not here to say that if you are passionate about politics that like that you're not justified in that. I'm just to your point, the polarization, I think it's a phenomenal word. Like that is the thing that's so unique right now. There's always been political division. There always has been. But right now, it, it, it it's you are either in one of two camps, and there's really no middle ground right now, and that's the part that's scary to me. Yeah, I agree. Uh, first of all, uh, Mickey Mouse actually does get presidential votes oh, every here, year. Here, here, I thought you were looking up that scripture for me. Uh, but first, you- or uh, I believe it's Second Timothy two two. I was looking that up as well, uh, but I agree. It it. Yeah, you you feel like you have to be on one side or the other, and it takes away from uh, it. It there's I feel like there's less room for mercy and grace. Yeah, 
when you feel like you absolutely have to be on one side or the other. And that's rough. Was I right? Second Timothy two two. No, first Timothy. First Timothy two two. There you go. Second Timothy two two. I believe is uh, the verse about uh, like training up others beneath you that then are capable of training others. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, and trust reliable people who also be qualified to teach others. Yeah, that. (laughs) (laughs) No, here's here's what I think is. I'm going to come back to that word because that's such a good word. It's not just political that's polarized. Everything's polarized. Mask or no mask. Mm -hmm. Vax or no vax. Liberal or conservative. You know, gay accepting, gay hating. You know, like redneck lover, redneck hater, (laughs) to use your example. Um, But no, it, it truly is one of those things where there, there's ground, and and I I love that you said there. There's no mercy or no grace because whatever happened to the days where you could disagree and be respectable? That's a great question. You know, like like, like why, why? I don't know. Why can you not disagree amicably? Like why is that not a thing anymore? It, it it's crazy, and and maybe it's because everybody wants to belong to something, and that that you know, so they want to be all in on something, and that's fine too. But I just I I really. It, it starts to make sense to me when you see this Christ-like behavior, but Pharisee-like action where it's like, I love Jesus. I love, you know, caring about him, but I'm not going to care for the person that I don't like. Like that's, that's Pharisee level behavior. Oh yeah. And, and it, you know, to, I think that feeds into the polarization and, and, one of the things, just jumping back quick to the polarization idea, whether it's politics, religion, whatever, is no one is happy mm-hmm. when that happens. Uh, the When it comes to presidential candidates in the United States, the second most hated, uh, or the, the, second, uh, the second highest unfavorable rating of a presidential candidate in the history of American politics was Hillary Clinton in 2016. The highest unfavorable rating of any presidential candidate in American history was Donald Trump in 2016. Like nobody, when you polarize to the point where you have two extremes that the middle hates, then the middle hates both options. Right. Yeah. And, And you know, now, following Christ is not about appeasing the middle, but when you, you know, if if you look at your two options or your two political parties within you know religious circles as the Pharisees and the, uh, you know, for lack like the 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 people that are just love and accept everybody, mm-hmm. you know, truth lies in the middle. Mm-hmm. You know, the balance of truth and grace lie in the middle where it is not tolerate everybody, but it's also not abide by the rules or else get out. Right. Remember when there were churches that, you know, you weren't allowed to come without wearing a suit? Churches What's wrong where, with that? That's what our church where does. You, <laughs> there were churches where you couldn't play cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, churches where you couldn't, have any sort of uncoordinated dancing 
which that's the only kind of dancing I do is uncoordinated, <laughs> but uh, unchoreographed. That's the word I was looking for. Uh, I like that to me is like that. That was modern day Pharisee. Mm-hmm. And, and that was popular, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago. Now I think it's less about the Pharisees and more about the tolerant, the, the tolerance, like the, we're, we're just going to, it's, it's, it's not about loving everybody. It's about tolerating and accepting everybody. Mm-hmm. And, and Christ accept Christ accepted you as you were, but he did not tolerate you staying the same. Right. And, and I think that the church has lost that. Drop it, man. Drop the mic. I, I I have nothing more to say. That is clearly we have all the answers. Clearly we got it figured out. Yeah, I don't know why people don't listen to us more often. I don't know. Maybe it's because we spend the first twenty minutes talking about nothing. Nobody <laughs> makes it to the good stuff. Talking about the youth pastor decathlon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're making that. That's going to be a thing for sure. I just need to make sure I stretch beforehand. As do most people. Yeah. Uh, All right. That does it for today's episode. Uh, You've got a week left to go on Instagram and tell us how much you like us. So please do that. Uh, On behalf of Derek, I think it's about time I go limber up and stretch for the Youth Pastor Decathlon. Goodbye. Goodbye.